0: section four of antonia this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org read by mirja pitkin helsinki finland july 2021 antonia by george sand translated by george burnham eaves section four she was arranging her plan in her head when julian came home to dinner The straw chair was still in the garden near the window. Madame Destrell had placed her white parasol on the ground against the chair and had forgotten to take it. Madame Thierry had gone into the kitchen to tell her only servant, a strapping Norman wench, to bring in the chair. So Julian saw those two objects without any previous warning. He divined without comprehending. His head swam, his heart beat fast, and his mother found him so confused, so excited so strange that she was frightened thinking that something had happened to him what is it in heaven's name she cried running to him nothing mother said julian after a slight struggle with himself to overcome his emotion i hurried home and i was very warm so that the cool air of the studio gave me a chill i am hungry let's have dinner you can explain to me at the table the meaning of this visit you have received he took in the chair unfolded and refolded the parasol and kept it in his hands a long while, with an affectation of indifference. But his hands trembled, and he could not meet his mother's eyes. "'Mon Dieu,' she said to herself, "'can it be that this increase of melancholy during the past fortnight, "'this refusal to sing, these stifled sighs, "'this peculiar behaviour, this sleeplessness and loss of appetite, "'are due to—' "'But he doesn't know her. "'He has hardly seen her in the distance. "'My poor child! Can it be possible?' They took their places at the table. Julian questioned his mother calmly enough. She described the Countess's visit with much discretion, restraining the impulse of her heart, which would have made her eloquent on the subject, had it not been for the discovery she had made, or the danger she began to foresee. Julian felt that his mother was watching him, and he kept a close watch upon himself. He had never before had any secrets from her but during the last few days he had had one, and the fear of alarming her made him cunning. "'This step of Madame Destrell, he said, "'shows that she is a prudent and gracious woman. She has realized, a little tardily, perhaps, that she owed you some consideration. Let us be grateful to her for her kindness of heart. You told her, I presume, that I had sufficient good sense not to consider myself included in the permission she has given you. That goes without saying,' I didn't mention you at all to her. Indeed, she probably is not aware of my existence, and perhaps it will be as well for you never to mention your son to her, so that she may not repent of her gracious behavior. Why shouldn't I mention you to her? I shall or shall not, according to the turn the conversation happens to take. You expect to see her often, then. To go to her house, perhaps? To meet her in the garden unquestionably. Whether I go to her house or not will depend on the duration of her kindly disposition. Was she agreeable? Very agreeable, and natural. Is she bright? I don't know. She has plenty of good sense, I think. None of the arrogance of a grand dame? She showed me none of it. Is she young? Why, yes. And quite pretty, so they say. Why, do you mean to say you have never seen her? I have, but at a distance. I have never happened to be near the window when she walked along our path. But you know that she walks there every day? It was you who told me so. You must think I am very inquisitive to watch all the beautiful women who pass. I am no longer a schoolboy, little mamma. I am a man, and my mind has been matured by disaster. Did you learn any more unpleasant news at Marcel's? On the contrary, Uncle Antoine has agreed to become responsible for us. (gasps) At last! You didn't tell me. You have been talking about something else. Which was more interesting to you? "'Frankly, yes, for the moment. I am really overjoyed to think that you can walk in yonder garden at any time. I shall not be there to give you my arm, for, naturally, I shall not be allowed to do that. But I shall see you go out, and come back with more colour and a little appetite, I hope. Appetite? You are the one who has no appetite. You have eaten almost nothing today, and yet you said that you were hungry. Where are you going, pray?' to take madame d'estrel's parasol to the porter at the hotel it would not be polite to neglect it you are right but babette will take it it is quite useless to show yourself to the people there it might cause talk madame therry took the parasol and placed it in her servant's hands herself not that way cried Julian, taking it from her babette will spot the silk with her hot hands he carefully wrapped the parasol in white paper and handed it to babette not without regret but without hesitation he saw clearly enough the anxiety of his mother who was watching him closely babette remained away ten minutes that was more time than she needed to walk the length of the garden on the street enter the courtyard and return she reappeared at last with the parasol and a note from the countess madame you need a parasol as you will be exposed to the sunshine be kind enough to use mine. I desire to deprive you of every pretext for not coming to call upon. Your servant, Julie Distrel." Madame Thierry glanced again at Julien, who controlled himself perfectly as he removed the paper in which he had wrapped the parasol. As soon as her back was turned, he covered it with kisses, like the romantic, excitable child he was, despite his claim to be a mature man as for the poor mother in her distrust and uncertainty she said to herself that every joy is attended by danger in this world and that she might perhaps have reason to regret the amiable overtures of her too fascinating neighbor the next day the door swung on its hinges and the keys were handed to madame therry who urged on by julian ventured timidly to enter the countess's flowery domain That lady had determined to do the honors of her primroses and hyacinths in person, but an inevitable disclosure by Marcel had changed the course of her ideas, and cooled her zeal in some measure. The solicitor had called again to discuss her affairs. She made haste to tell him that she had made his aunt's acquaintance, and spoke of her in the warmest possible terms. Then she went on to ask questions. The charming woman told me of her birth, her love and her past happinesses and she was on the point of telling me about what she calls her present happiness when we were interrupted i supposed on the other hand that she was very unhappy have i not heard that she had been forced to sell all that she had that is the truth marcel replied but there is something in my excellent aunt's character which not everybody can understand but which you will understand perfectly madame la comtesse i can tell you her husband's story and hers in a word my uncle the artist had a great heart much talent and wit but very little method and no foresight at all as he had never had anything in his youth and earned from day to day first the bare necessities of life afterwards the luxuries he allowed himself to be carried along by his natural recklessness and as he had some rather extravagant tastes an artist's taste that tells the whole story he soon established his outlay upon a very agreeable but hazardous footing he loved society and was popular he never went on foot he had a carriage he gave exquisite little dinners in what he called his hut at Sevres, which was crowded with sumptuous trinkets and artistic objects for which he paid great prices so that he ran in debt his wife's property paid his debts and enabled them to continue this risky but delightful life when he died he was over head and ears in debt once more my dear aunt knew it but did not choose to cast a shadow on his heedless and light-hearted old age by showing the slightest concern for their son's future my son is sensible she said he is studying his art with passion and zeal he will have as much talent as his father he will be poor and he will make his fortune he will pass through the trials and triumphs which his father passed through honorably and courageously and knowing him as i do i know that he will never reproach me for placing all my confidence in his noble heart it turned out as she had foreseen on his father's death julian theory discovering that he had inherited nothing but debts set bravely to work to pay them all and far from complaining of his mother he told her that she had done well never to annoy the best of fathers I confess that I do not agree with him there. The best of fathers is the one who sacrifices his tastes and his pleasures to the welfare of those who will probably survive him. My uncle the painter was a great man, I might better say a great child. Genius is a very fine thing, but devotion to those whom one loves is a vastly finer thing. And let me say it under my breath, my uncle's widow and son seem to be much greater than he. What is Madame la Comtesse's opinion? The Countess had become very thoughtful, although she listened attentively. I think as you do, monsieur Thierry she replied, and I admire your aunt and cousin with all my heart. Mm, but my story seems to have saddened you, said Marcel. Perhaps it gives me something to think about. Do you know I am deeply impressed by the examples set us by some lives? I see that Madame Thierry is like me, being a widow and ruined, but I see that she is happy none the less while I am not. She is proud to pay the debts of a husband whom she loved dearly, and I, But I do not propose to retract the confession that escaped my lips yesterday in your presence. I wish to ask you one question. This son, this most excellent son of the worthy widow, where is he? In Paris, madame, where he is working very hard and beginning to pay off the debts by painting pictures which are already almost as good as his father's some influential friends have become interested in him and would push him ahead more rapidly if he were less scrupulous and proud but with a little time he will be rich in his turn indeed he now owes only a mere trifle for which our uncle antoine has decided to become responsible inasmuch as there is no longer any risk in so doing this rich uncle seems to be about as timid and economical as my father-in-law the marquis no madame he is an entirely different sort of selfishness it would take a long time to tell you about him and it is time for me to be at the palais of course of course some other time monsieur therry go and attend to your business here are the papers all signed come again soon as soon as your affairs require it rely upon my promptitude madame la comtesse (sighs) do not be so ceremonious come to see me when you have time without regard to business i am greatly indebted to you monsieur Thierry you have not only given me the clear understanding of my position which was so necessary to me you have given me good advice and have not led my honour astray in order to protect my selfish interests in fact i see that you feel perhaps a little friendliness for me and i thank you with all my heart the countess had a way of saying such simple things which made her seem extremely charming modest and dignified in her every act and every word there was in her manners an indefinable suggestion of a restrained emotion which denoted a too full heart, a heart seeking a fit receptacle for its overflow. The Baroness would surely have considered that she was altogether too grateful and effusive to the petty fogger, who was only too happy to act for her. She would have told her that one must not spoil people of that sort by letting them see that they are necessary to one. Julie being perfectly sure of herself, notwithstanding her pathetic humility, was not afraid of placing her friendship too low by bestowing it on a clever and honorable man, and moreover there was taking place within her, as we have seen, an insensible yet rapid reaction against the circle in which she had hitherto lived. End of section 4